Good afternoon, Dr. Dan Guerra here, Authentic Biochemistry Studios. Today is the 21st of March, 2022. Just yesterday, we were talking about myokines. Now, these would be endocrine hormones, but they can also, of course, act in paracrine and autocrine fashion that otherwise could be proteins with histories of different biochemical and physiological importance. For example, the poster child for the myokines was interleukin-6, which we talked about. And you'll know that IL-6 is actually a relatively uh, canonical pro-inflammatory cytokine when it's secreted from immune cells or from certain epithelia or endothelia for that matter. But when interleukin-6 is generated from myocytes and it's working either in a paracrine or autocrine fashion, it does not induce inflammation. Likewise, even if it's secreted from the muscle mass, uh, because of the concentration gradient generated and because it's not associated with another constellation of pro-inflammatory cytokines, that would otherwise be triggering T cell responses to engage antigen presenting cells. The interleukin-6 doesn't have the avidity or the affinity to do pro-inflammation, even though the receptors for it may be very similar or even identical. You understand that we name these proteins such as cytokines based on when they were first discovered and when they were analyzed for physiological and biochemical characteristics. It's the same thing with enzymes. We've talked before about enzymes, which catalyze indeed discrete and frank reactions and major pathways. Well, then I will tell you, for example, that um, lactate dehydrogenase can act as a transcription factor or even phosphofructokinase 1, one of my favorite enzymes because I like the way it sounds. And it's also rate limiting for glycolysis, let's face it. And it has excellent allosteric regulation, which makes it really great to teach because you can spend oh, at least two hour lectures on it. Um, all those enzymes I just mentioned have uh, flavors of characteristics that did not involve their enzymatic activity. So, don't be surprised when I tell you this cytokine like IL-6 or even some of the other cytokines maybe calling now myokines are not functioning to promote inflammation. Again, when you don't have the correct background, in other words, you don't have a pathophysiological state or stress state that has been induced and the errant concentration of one particular metabolite, like a glycoprotein, otherwise known as interleukin-6, wouldn't have the fact because it's not a population community effect that is otherwise promoted or perhaps regulated by a host of other proteins, lipids, nucleic acids, or carbohydrates that would be triggered in a pro-inflammatory response. I wanted to make that clear because I know when I do these audio lectures, I kind of, kind of go fast. And of course, I'm looking at the papers and I'm um, dissecting these papers in real time. And if I go over something really fast, you'll think, well, wait a minute, he's saying it's a myokine, which means it has something to do with 
muscle uh, hormonal regulation. And yet, wait, didn't, you know, a couple of months ago, weren't we talking about IL-6 in inducing uh, T-cell differentiation? And yeah, indeed, we did. And indeed, we talked about it with macrophages as well. But again, now you're beginning to see the true detail of biochemical systems. They're not as simple as what you see in 1,200-page biochemistry textbooks. Now, I'm not. I'm. I'm saying that, of course, I'm smiling because I know that's not a simple textbook, and I know a lot of you medical doctors were really sort of like uh, apprehensive. I might even say frightened by classes uh, of biochemistry that, you know, you may have been taught from someone like me because there's a great deal of detail and you need to understand, yeah, chemistry. You need to understand it really well at the organic chemistry level, at least if you took my course. And you have to understand physiology. So biochemistry is really a physiological chemistry but beyond that, you also need to know genetics and molecular genetics and immunology and epigenetics. And we're not finished yet. You also need to know signal transduction and you need to know alteration of cellular differentiation. And you also need to know about program cell fate and autophagy. And even that, are, those are just broad strokes about what biochemistry is, right? So that's why you're listening to this. You're listening to authentic biochemistry because I'm giving you the details from the mind of a biochemist, right? Okay, so with that in mind, it's all uh, prolegomena to today's lecture, but it's important that I bring it up because um, sometimes I think about how I go over some things which are conceptual, you know, which are abstractions of um, phenomena. And I don't think about the fact that you may have never heard that before. And so I need to go back and reiterate it in different ways. That's what I just did. Now, you have IL-6, which was one of the first myokines that were um, described. And then it became clear that there was a, a myokinome which I, I hate the way the conjugation of some of these words are. I do it myself, but sometimes I just hate it. I don't like the word myokinome. It doesn't look well even on paper, right? But obviously that means that you have some kind of um, collection, shall we say, of proteins, which are all under now a new classification of those being secreted by skeletal muscular mass that exert endocrine type effects or paracrine type effects or autocrine type effects as a hormone would. That is, is a signaling molecule that docks usually first on the surface of a cell and then carries out some kind of communication networking that is delivered into the cell either by membrane topodynamical changes and thus triggering things like G-protein couple receptors, either stimulatory or inhibitory, and adenylate cyclase or maybe phosphatase cascades or maybe uh, phosphatylinositol uh, kinase cascades leading to protein kinase activity, leading to calcium channel movement, 
leading maybe to transcription factor harvesting and then shuttling to the nucleus to induce chromatin retailering to generate new gene expression, that kind of hormonal effect, right? So there are a great number of these so-called myokines. And we know this because people have been isolating them from muscle tissue and determining that they are secreted during different types of contraction cycles in the muscle. And that's where I left it with yesterday because now they have a new term, which is even more horrible. They're called exerkines. Okay. Think about how that's spelled. I'm not going to spell it because it just bothers me. So these, these exerkines are supposedly then proteins, which are acting as myokines, which come from extracellular vesicles. And of course we call those exosomes and they contain, yeah, some glycoproteins and some of those glycoproteins have, of course, what? And some kind of hormonal effect. So that's why, and they only are triggered when the contraction cycle is induced in the skeletal muscle. Therefore, they're associated with exercise. That's why they would be called exercise. Okay. Again, I don't like the term. But anyways, exosomes contain not just proteins. Of course, they contain nucleic acids, such as ribonucleic acids like ATP and GTP, or just plain adenosine. There are also peptides, as you know, uh, which, of course, themselves act as neurotransmitters or as growth factors or as hormones. You also get mRNA packages secreted out of the cell. You can even get um, single-stranded inhibitory RNA packaged into exosomes. And of course, this is going to be involved in epigenetic phenomena for gene silencing, right? We've talked about that. And, you know, the class, you can classify all that under microRNA. But you also even get DNA from the nucleus and the mitochondria. And if it's a plant, from the chloroplast. And so what is that nucleic acid doing being secreted in an exosome? And that's been the um, harvested uh, crop of literature been going on now for, I don't know, at least 10 years. And so you need to go in and harvest that out of the primary literature to know the vast array of compounds, just about every bioorganic compound you can think about, as well as ions too, being secreted from cells. And no, they're not secreted because the cell is undergoing some kind of programmed cell death and leaking them. They're secreted in a very specific controlled manner. Right? So now, by 2021, it looks, 2021, when this paper was finally published, it looks like there's over 650 myokines that have been studied. And the, many of them are associated with excessive aerobic exercise. So that means they must be doing something during the exercise activity and agency. And indeed, myokines, also known sometimes uh, I would say somewhat subversively as exerkines, are involved in muscle proliferation, differentiation, and regeneration of myocytes. And sometimes they're dependent upon and sometimes independent upon exercise. But during exercise, when a myokine signals within the muscle and that myokine mediates some kind of intramuscular 
communication that ends up going to the brain or to another organ system like the bone, liver, pancreas, uh, the gut, vascular bed, or even, yeah, uh, adipose tissue, then you can start calling them myokines functioning as exerkines, as long as they're being synthesized during some kind of exercise event. So what's curious about these compounds, again, they're mostly glycoproteins, like a cytokine, but they're not only that, they fill the complete array of organic compounds. But some of them have been associated with, at least observationally, um, either arresting or inhibiting oncogenic events. Okay, So you can see why people are interested in them. Find something new, you say, huh, what are these uh, secreted pro- uh, proteins or secreted uh, lipids or secreted nucleic acids doing out there? Um, well, if they have some kind of function where they're triggering a communication response, we need to look at that and understand it. So again, some of the myokines are exert uh, their their influence is exerted within the skeletal muscle, and in fact, they can be directly involved in the regulation of the total amount of muscle mass for that specific <clears throat> muscle mass. Okay, for that specific skeletal muscle mass, and so some of the myokines when they're triggered um, at high levels, and the tonicity keeps their expression and secretion level high. And these would be things like IL-6, but also interleukin-4, interleukin-7, IL-15, a protein called musculin, and a protein called LIF or LIF. They can all be associated with hypertrophy of the muscle. And likewise, there's a protein called myostatin, which will block their activation of hypertrophy. Again, you know, hypertrophy can be good if you're building skeletal muscle, true skeletal muscle mass, including intracellular triacylglycerol liposomes. However, if you are increasing muscle mass because of damage, because of excessive aerobic exercise, and filling the muscle up not with myocytes, but with fibrocytes, that kind of hypertrophy like we sometimes see in the cardiac system can be very dangerous because, of course, fibrocytes are themselves, yeah, frankly, pro-inflammatory, right? And, And that's what causes heart failure, and that's what also causes sometimes ischemic heart attack in the cardiac muscle. So that's just a couple of things to to mention at this point. So it's a protein here I, I want to mention then called myostatin. It was first identified as a potential myokine because it sort of fits the criteria I just described to you. But actually myostatin, if you look at its primary sequence, is indeed one of the members of a large family of proteins that are collectively called transforming growth factors. TGF. In fact, myostatin is a specific type of family, subfamily of TGF. It's TGF beta. So that's actually still, that subgroup is still a super family. And what myostatin does itself, that specific protein, is it negatively regulates myogenesis. 
and it does so intramuscularly in an autocrine manner. So massive muscle hypertrophy, as we've been describing just the last 10 minutes, is actually something that you observe in mice where myostatin has been knocked out. So you knock out both copies and you look at what happens when you don't have myostatin and you look at animal models, everything from mice to dogs to cattle and sheep, you're going to find a massive amount of hypertrophy in skeletal muscle. So that suggests that an increase in fiber cross-sectional area and fiber number is what occurs when you lose the activity of myostatin. Now another, um, yeah, we'll just call it a myokine, is decorin, and it is regulated by exercise, so it's an exerkine, and it's an antagonist to myostatin, okay? So circulating levels of decorum are increased in response to exercise in humans. So you go out and chop a bunch of wood, you're going to synthesize and secrete some decorum. Whereas exercise training reduces the levels of myostatin within the muscle and what's found in circulation. Okay. So although the myocarnial 6 is typically considered to have a large effect on lipid and glucose metabolism, and we've talked extensively about this, reprogramming the bioenergetics of T-cells, for example. Interleukin-6 is also significant. Now, here's where it's totally acting as a myocarn in myogenesis. So it was shown that IL-6 is an anabolic factor and any loss of IL-6 impaired muscle hypertrophy, and this occurred in cells and in vivo, okay, in animal models. Whereas myotube-produced interleukin-6 actually stimulates muscle cell proliferation, but it works not in an autocrine way, but in a paracrine. See all the detail here that you're getting from authentic biochemistry. And because I'm reading this paper, obviously. Now, LIF I've looked at in the past. LIF was actually one of those genes which I found doing an epigenetic screening of mice, of a mouse model and a rat model that was undergoing um, certain behavioral events and triggering environments that were depressogenic. And what we found in some of that uh, work that I have yet to publish actually, was that LIF or leukemia inhibitor, inhibitory factor was one of those genes that had been induced epigenetically after the depressogenic um, treatment. So it was believed, because I knew that that was a cytokine, that had some effect either on inflammation or anti-inflammation, depending again on the cellular environment. So now, once again, years later, we're encountering LIF. So leukemia inhibitory factor is actually a member, this is something I've known now for over a decade, of the IL-6 cytokine family, okay? And again, it has multiple biological functions. You can't just say once you see LIF, you're going to see inflammation. 
It can sometimes mean you're going to get program cell death, for example, or you can get an enhancement, even though it is a product of epigenetic change in gene expression, LIF was also involved in the epigenetic profiling, meaning it seemed to have an effect on methylation pattern on CPG islands. That was unpublished data that I've got in my notebooks. Someday I'll put together. Okay, so LIF protein is indeed acting as a myokine because it's secreted from human cultured myotubes. And indeed, it can be electrically stimulated. And LIF stimulates the satellite cell proliferation. And it's also been shown that both, and these are interchangeable, but also working in concert, LIF plus IL-6 will activate mTORC1 in the myotube. And you know, that's an anabolic pathway, right? And that whole IL-6 LIF interaction turning on myotubule mTORC1 is dose and temporal dependent, which of course means it's going to be involved in some kind of cascading event of changing the pattern of gene expression within the muscle cell fiber. So lots of other myocardies I mentioned. You got cytokines like interleukin-15 and interleukin-7. And they also, in these models, these are rodent studies now, um, tend to act anabolically, meaning turning on things like AKTM torque pathways. Okay? So again, you can see why this is quite distinct from a pro-inflammation response. Now, let's talk a little bit about metabolic actions here, and then we're going to move away from this discussion because I don't want to spend too much time on it. We're supposed to be talking about diabetes, remember? And I'm telling you we are because, for example, I'll just say it right now. In the diabetic system, what do you think happens to the muscle mass? Well, the muscle mass, because of a sedentary lifestyle and obesity, goes through premature aging and therefore sarcopenia. Now, this kind of degeneration of the myosins is very detrimental to glucose and fatty acid homeostasis because the muscle is a major organ system that regulates bioenergetics. Obviously, because the muscle hepatically uses a tremendous amount of respirable substrates like glucose and fatty acid and also amino acids after transamination alpha keto acids that run through the right carboxylic acid cycle. So, and also that links up to lactic acid production, alanine production on skeletal muscle. Those are both gluconeogenic substrates in the liver. So you start to see how the multiple organ systems are all integrated into this discussion. And so a diabetic is going to have a an uncoupling of insulin binding to its receptor, which is going to give you either insulin resistance or complete insulin failure. This will mean lack of glucose uptake in skeletal muscle, which is going to alter not only the muscular activity, it's also going to alter the what? The biofuel going from either breaking down protein mass, converting to amino acids, and then using the amino acids uh, via transamination, ultimately TCA cycle, to drive contraction. 
but also fatty acids. But the fatty acids themselves are going to be picked up, not stored in those triacylglycerol perilipin bound oil bodies intramuscularly. No, those fatty acids are going to be trafficked through the plasma membrane, causing lipotoxicity, right? Which causes inflammation of the muscle. All of that is a diabetic phenomenon, right? Massive chronic inflammation. What's inflamed? Muscular systems, particularly the skeletal muscle, but even the cardiovascular system becomes inflamed, as we know. Part of that's because of hypertrophy and fibrosis, but also all the multiple organ systems, liver, kidney, pancreas, for example, the lungs, the central nervous system we just covered, and indeed, big time, the adipose tissue which is also insulin dependent for glucose uptake. So you see how diabetes is going to completely corrupt the myokinogenesis and then the entire regulation of muscle mass proliferation and turnover, right? There, so you see, we were able to cover that without, without even raising the heart rate. So what are some of the metabolic actions? Okay, so the leukin-6 is characterized in mitokine with endocrine effects, and it also acts paracrine. We just kind of went through that. Any kind of physical inactivity or sedentary lifestyle, such as T2D obesogenic state, is actually linked with high circulating basal levels of IL-6. And this is part of the pro-inflammatory stream that you get from obesity, right? Not only that, acute exercise-induced rise in systemic levels of IL-6, and indeed in IL-6 transcription, so now we're measuring messenger RNA, become diminished after training in humans. Right? So it looks like there is a muscle mass regulation of IL-6 concentration in circulation. Therefore, then, changing the tonicity, or if you want the valence of pro-inflammatory versus growth promotive, paracrine, endocrine, autocrine, hormonal regulation of muscle mass, simply by changing the concentration and the timing of the induction of IL-6 secretion, plus all that other stuff I talked at the beginning about all the other proteins, lipids, and carbohydrates that would be in unison during a pro-inflammatory response. So you see, when you've got a diabetic response, that means you're pro-inflammatory. Because of the obesogenic state, you are also dyslipidemic and lipotoxic. So all of the major bioenergetic pathways and changing of all the gene expression patterns, not just in all the solid organs and also in the organ systems like the muscle and the adipose and the central nervous system, but also just consider all the signaling and all the lipoprotein metabolism that's going awry. And you can see why that would trigger a hyperinflammatory response. Right? You get where that's going, just from thinking about the myokine perspective now. Right? Okay. So IL-6 increases both basal glucose uptake and glucose transporter GLUT4. Uh, hello, insulin signaling through the insulin receptor. Besides that, interleukin-6 also increases directly insulin-stimulated glucose uptake. And this is found just in cells, right? So it means that IL-6 is acting as a co-adapter molecule to enhance either GLUT4 
moving uh, from the endomembranous compartment up to the plasma membrane so that more glucosis comes in, or could even be acting in a um, transacting mode to alter the uh, minute three-dimensional structural patterning of the GLUT4 in the membrane because immunoleukin-6 functions that way in the membrane. Remember, it tells you it's a mouth and lipid metabolism so that the GLUT4 operates more efficiently. Now, there's other effects of IL-6, and we have talked about these. When you have hyperinsulinemic and euglycemic situations, and also when you have peripheral insulin-stimulated glucose uptake, all of that is, is compartmentalized in our understanding of IL-6 activity. So I want to finish this myokine story, but I don't want to hurry through it. So I'm going to um, cap it. Uh, the next um, authentic biochemistry audio lecture. And then we'll move on from there and get more into the basic pathophysiology once again of diabetes. Because I am going to finish this. I am going to do, as I promised, um, yes, a video appearance. We'll do a full video lecture for diabetes. Hopefully it won't be diabetes XX, meaning the 20th delivery, but it might be. But I warned you, diabetes is a big category, so we have to cover the arc. Okay. This is Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Becoming More Beautiful Every Day Inland Pacific Northwest of the United States of America, wishing you all a good uh, first day of spring and bye for now. <laughs>